This is Scott Becker with the Becker Business Minute Podcast, the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by labor partner, brilliant lawyer, Marty Smelkin. Marty's going to talk to us about something that has raised a lot of interest from people. This is an FTC proposal, a government proposal to sort of outlaw non-competes. And he's going to talk to us about where this is at, sort of whether it's likely to happen, the potential impact on business, and a little bit more. Marty, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and then tell us about sort of the proposal and where that stands? Thanks, Scott. Great to be with you. I am an employment lawyer here in New York City with the law firm Schulte, Roth & Zabel, a partner here in the employment law practice. Um, Happy to talk a bit today about the FTC proposed rule, which would ban non-competes. Certainly spending a lot of time with clients and employers uh, uh, you know, analyzing it and, and uh, you know, uh, kind of making determinations as to uh, next steps. Um, uh, let, me, let me just start out by giving a, a little history here. Uh, the um, FTC put forth this proposed rule uh, back on January 5th. And again, uh, the FTC is a federal agency which enforces consumer protection and antitrust laws, including uh, unfair business practices. Right? So the issue with this proposed rule which would, at its core, prohibit the use of non-compete agreements. Um, specifically, the proposed rule states that it's an unfair method of competition for an employer to do three things, right? To, to enter into a non-compete agreement with a worker, uh, to maintain a non-compete agreement with a worker, um, or to represent a worker that he or she is subject to a non-compete agreement. Um, the proposed rule also Uh, has a rescission requirement such that employers have to rescind existing non-compete agreements within 180 days of this uh, uh, rule or final rule uh, uh, going into effect. Um, We're a long ways off, Scott, before uh, uh, this is is ultimately implemented. Um, Again, we are in a 60-day comment period where the FTC has solicited comments from, from the public uh, uh, on the proposed rule, that comment period will expire uh, on March 20, at which time the FTC will then take all those comments, uh, uh, you know, uh, tweak the rule based on the comments in all likelihood, and then issue a final rule. And um, I think we could all uh, be assured uh, that it is it's quite likely that when that final rule is published, it will be met with uh, uh, litigation. Right. It'll be met with injunction, uh, injunctive orders uh, or, or, or requests, and then ultimately uh, likely uh, some form of an injunction uh, such that uh, it's going to be tied up in the courts for, for quite a bit of time. So uh, it, 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 let, let me are. ask you a question. Let, let me ask you a question about that, because people have questioned first, does the FTC one you expect? I mean, obviously, the Chamber of Commerce and other business organizations have come out very negatively about this. Do you expect that the FTC will? proceed with this rule. It seems to be something that the Biden administration has been talking about for some time. So it seems likely they'll probably stay on this, but but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Second is, does the FTC have the authority to do this? Is this something they have the authority to do as, a, as an administrative agency versus something that has to be congressionally, or is this a federal right, a state right? How does this, how does this play through from litigation if that does get Finalizes a rule. What are some of your thoughts there, Mark? Yeah. Well, no. That and that and that's just it, Scott. That 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 is, uh, I think, where the legal challenge is going to come in. Right. It's going to be on on two fronts. One, uh, 
under the non-delegation theory, two under the major questions theory, and, and both really go to the following, that the FTC, as a federal agency made up of unelected officials, uh, implementing a rule of this magnitude uh, is not within their purview, right? This is the purview of uh, Congress uh, to pass a law uh, uh, after deliberation and the body that is elected by the people uh, to make um, a, a determination of this magnitude, uh, not uh, the, the FTC and, um, and uh, you know, three, really, you know, there are four people on the FTC, you know, this was a three to one vote. So there will be legal challenge, no doubt. Uh, where I really think this is going, though, is the following. Um, I think the FTC itself, you know, did not, uh, does not expect <laughs> any final rule to go in in the form that it was proposed. Rather, I think this was a bit of a, of a siren call or a blueprint, if you will, uh, to the states to take up uh, 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 analysis and legislation of non-competes and pass laws either banning non-competes at the state level or placing limitations on the, implement, uh, on the use of non-competes at the state level, right? We know that um, right now, California is the most prominent, but also North Dakota and Oklahoma have outright bans on non-competes, and another dozen or so states have limitations on the use of non-competes. And I think that's really uh, where the FTC was going here, too, to give that shout out to the states to, to, to pass laws along these lines. It, that is a fascinating perspective. And, and Marty, tell us something else. If you're a private equity investor, a buyer of companies, you know, you, you, part of what people typically buy as part of a transaction is a non-compete because they don't want to buy a business that's very reliant on a founder, a leader, a CEO, whoever it might be, and have those people turn right around and start a new business or a, or a competitive business. Will this have an impact? And I guess it depends on the final form or the rule and what comes out. Will this have an impact on valuation of deals, fragility of deals? Because there's less certainty about how locked up you have at least the founders that could compete against you and know the business. What will that look like? Will this have an impact on, on deals? And will this apply to transactions as well as just employment agreements? Yeah, I know it absolutely will, Scott. Right? There is a carve out actually under this proposed rule that non-competes can remain in the, in, in the sale of a business on individuals that own at least 25%, right? Which is, you know, a relatively high threshold if you have, you know, m many investors or many, you know, senior execs that have a uh, lower than 25% um, um, equity stake. But um, I, I think, look, because deals are often all about human capital, if we're now saying that, uh, you know, a lot of your, your key people aren't going to be subject to non-competes that absolutely has to go you know, into valuation analysis. All that said, uh, you know, the, the, the proposed rule in all likelihood is going to look very different, we would expect, from the final rule, right? We know there's a lot of comment going in right now from trade associations, from employer groups. Uh, 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 there's a lot been written, uh, op-ed pieces and the like. Um, but again, where I think employers and investors need to look closely uh, is at um, what, what is the current status of restrictive covenants at the state level um, as well, and to see what kind of legislation may come down the pike, uh, because this is now part of, of, of the national dialogue. Uh, everyone is, seems to be focusing on this since this proposed rule went into effect. 
You had mentioned that some states already have bans on non-competes. Among the most prominent is California, of course. And it, at the end of the day, people try all kinds of other things to try and tie people up in different ways. And, and there will be an exception, as it sounds like, for transactions if this does come across. But the world hasn't – business is still done in California, isn't it? I mean, it hasn't ended business in California. What, what's your – any gestalt longer-term views on this or, or more that this is going to end up being tied up in litigation? It's really going to end up being pushing it more strongly towards the states and possibly something gets promulgated by the FTC. What's your – do you have a gestalt sense of what this does to business? Absolutely. Look, I think there are a number of things that uh, employers should be doing right now. Uh, this is a bit of a wake-up call for GCs and and and, and executives running businesses uh, uh, because of, of the big focus on on restrictive covenants. Look, a, a, a few things to to tick off, right? One, enforceability, right? How enforceable are the current restrictive covenants, non-competes that you currently have, right? These clauses are, uh, you know, when, when they're challenged in court, a judge is going to determine uh, is your non-compete narrowly tailored. Uh, both in terms of duration and geographic scope, uh, to protect the legitimate business interests of you as, as an employer or business owner. Um, so it's a good time to look at what do you currently have on the books uh, and determine how enforceable actually are they. Also, what are you doing about implementation, right? Do, do you need to have that same 18-month or two-year, let's say, non-compete that you might have on a portfolio manager uh, and apply that same uh, cookie cutter template form restrictive covenant for your office manager or your receptionist, um, or should there be a gradation um, uh, based upon you know the real needs? Um, uh, you know, three. You know, as you said, Scott, uh, for years, right? California employers, you know, had to deal with this. So it's an opportunity uh, for all employers to, to to take a page out of the what Silicon Valley has done for years, which is making sure you have robust confidentiality agreements, non-disclosure agreements, non-solicitation agreements as, as strong as possible. Um, and, um, and, and that's a way to hopefully uh, protect what you're really seeking to protect, right? Which is your uh, you know, intellectual property and, 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 and capital from going out the door. Four, looking at deferred comp plans, right? Uh, should you have a, a, a more robust deferred compensation plan such that if an employee does leave, uh, they're going to be subject to forfeiture. And then finally, looking at your garden leave periods. Uh, you know, maybe it shouldn't be only 30 days. Maybe it's 60 days or 90 days or what have you. So, again, uh, focus is squarely on this because the FTC came out with this proposed rule and wonderful opportunity for uh, employers and GCs to look closely at it. Thank you very much, Marty. So informative. Again, Marty Smelkin, Schulte, Roth, and Zabel, great, great firm. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Becker Business Minute podcast, the Becker Private Equity podcast. Really informative. I learned a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott.